I'm Pete Hammond. And I'm Dominic Patton. And this is the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Today we'll be discussing the oftentimes extravagant for your consideration events that networks and streamers and cablers throw, as well as a discussion about what could be some of the contenders for best actor in a drama series. Plus, you'll also hear interviews today done from our annual Emmy Contenders event with the cast and creators of Better Call Saul and This Is Us. But starting off, for your consideration... What is up with For Your Consideration events? <laughs> well, there's a lot up with For Your Consideration. I've never seen so many. I guess there was a lot last year, too, because, you know, I'm a member of the Academy, so I get these things on email every day, and then they, they send them out. In fact, uh, recently I got one that was for that day, and I'm going like, well, this is a waste of postage, you know. I mean, they're a little bit behind at times, but we do get them on email, too. Everybody's doing them. They They're see, huge now. Yeah, well, I mean, we should we should say right away is both of us are actually members of the TV Academy, yeah. which is not an ad. I'm a non-voting member now, I'm but it's it's crazy how yeah. many of these are. And I find you know I sometimes wonder, and, and we're going to talk about some of the specifics uh, and some, especially Amazon and Netflix, who yeah. literally are building architecture yes. as, <laughs> as 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 this this time around. But there is an environmental component to this that I really yeah. do think needs to be addressed because yeah. there is a vast pileup of stuff that shows up yeah. at my house and here at the office, yeah. and a lot of it turns around pretty quick into a blue bin. Yeah. And I just don't think it's necessary. It's I don't not. know. Does it influence anyone? Well, I don't know that it influences anybody. I don't really think so because yeah. there's so much of it. You know, so how is it going to – all it can do is like is say, oh, where's that Where's that thing I want to watch? You know, and it's there in front of you if you can find it. I have to dig through these things. I mean, last year Netflix sent 22 pounds of screeners. 22 that's pounds. Crazy. That's crazy. I weighed that's a them. workout. I, 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 it was. I weighed them. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. I've already gotten their first one. Uh, for, they, they send them in. In, in uh, you know increments, so um, this year we're, they're coming again. So beware. But all this FYC stuff, I don't know. You know, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences banned all of this kind of thing. You have to send them in plain brown paper, basically. Or you know, ah, that, and, that's a thrill um, killer too. The Academy Television Academy allows people to do these elaborate packages and everything else. Now for the FYC events, they are renting out the beautifully redesigned uh, uh, TV Academy Theater in North Hollywood on a nightly basis. Oh, a nightly? I mean, I, I yeah. thought they were double booking some of these. They are. It's everybody like wants to... It's a hotel to in Vegas on <laughs> Everybody seems to want to do it there because they've got the big giant Emmys there and that says, oh. It is really nice now. Yes. I mean, it's, I, mean, I mean, look, I liked the old one. Yeah. I mean, I was—I have to admit, I mean, I'm not very nostalgic for this kind of stuff. I know some right. people don't like when a building's knocked down. They feel like a piece of history is disappearing. Yeah. But actually, I did kind of feel that about that one. Mm -hmm. I really felt it. And I was really impressed with what Bruce and his team came up with, with what yeah. is there now. It's really great. Yeah. But what's well, interesting— $40 million later, $40 million I was on the board, you know, when we approved that. And uh, actually, the cost of the theater was supposed to be $32 million, and the rest was in a uh, foundation kind of thing. But it was they were raising $40 million to do this. I I don't know if they've completely raised all the money yet. They have paid for the theater, I'm Well, told. I think I think regardless of what the price tag is or will yeah. end up being, is money very well spent. Yes, because, it's beautiful. Because I think they needed it, and I think especially what was great, too, I think, is in this time of era of peak TV, yeah. it was great to really give the TV Academy uh, yeah. a, 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 a grounding, literally and figuratively, in architecture yeah. that reflected a new era. I really think yeah. that was Well, important. digitally also, I mean, in every which way, because, I mean, that theater, the old theater, di didn't even have nah. digital. They rented digital equipment for yeah. it, even though it was state-of-the-art when it was built. So this is, like, absolute state-of-the-art right now. It's a But let's talk theater. about real state-of-the-art, because yeah. I want to talk about state-of-the-art of selling your show. 
Zone. Yes. Because we've already seen Amazon took over the Hollywood Athletic Club yes. uh, earlier for this two spring. weeks. They two did week. it. They yeah. had everything from Patriot, Man in the High Castle, uh -huh. Z, uh, obviously Transparent, and Jill Soloway's new show, I Love Dick. I, I did the panel for P Patriot there. Amazing yeah. how they set up, especially the stuff for, for Man in the High Castle. I yeah, mean, oh, that was amazing. The, yeah. Man in yeah. the High I mean, I have to say, it's. It creeps me out, and yet yeah. I have to say it's so well done. The production they flew design. in some of the actual sets for some of for these Vancouver. shows. For Vancouver, crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and you walk into a room. It's and like you a see, museum. You see these swastikas on yeah. the wall, and yeah, you yeah. see like you know Adolf Hitler's name on a desk, and it creeps you out. And at the same time, you realize that's why this show works so well. I mean, I right. remember once doing a doing a, a panel with with the production designer and some and members of the cast of that show a couple a uh, year or so ago, and they talked about how literally you and I don't even see it when we watch it, but the yeah. actors will open a drawer on set right. and there'll be a pack of cigarettes and a half-used pack of matches with yeah. like the Imperial <laughs> Japan or something on it right. to totally put them in the world. Yeah. And Amazon did a really bang-on job taking over that place to put everyone in and their And they world. got people in there. Of course, they had several bars and food every night. And so they brought people in. I, I moderated one for Catastrophe there. And I was Great. impressed by the uh, space that they had for the actual screenings and the Q&As. Beautiful. Really big. So that was a good place to find. And now... Netflix has done the same thing for all this month of May. They've Opened been doing on May seventh. Yeah, and Big uh, space. and uh, and every night they're trying to get something going on there. And and they're, uh, and they're the going thing. to. I mean, you know, I, I in Beverly I, Hills though. I, I did the Luke Cage panel on May fifteenth. You know, and that and Kevin Spacey has been there doing panels. They've got you know they're going to have stuff for how of course for House of Cards, Masters of None, Grace and Frankie, One Day Orange, at a Time, is the New Black, the Hacked Show. As we Clever call it. thing they did with yeah. One Day at a Time, having Valerie Bertinelli moderate the panel with the women of the new one. I actually think that goes beyond clever, to be honest. I, think, <laughs> I, I actually think that's clever, clever, yeah. and I like that. Yeah. So here's the thing, though, right? We're showing yet again the power and influence and strength that the streamers have in, in the Emmys races this year, this is now going to demand, I think, a new level of taking it up come yeah. next year. Right. You know, it used to be you put up a couple of billboards, you slap some stuff on the yeah. side of a bus, and you have a party where you get to shake hands with one or two of the stars and everyone goes home and they, they do what they do. Now, it's like next year, someone's going to have to take over the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, well, <laughs> well, good luck on that one. Uh, I don't know, you know, and this is all Ted in Randos, L.A. we're calling you. Ted <laughs> Randos, we're calling this you. This is all in L.A., so they're concentrating all of this for voters who are in this area for this huge expense that they're doing just on these buildings alone. Uh, so I'm not so sure, you know, because the Academy's pretty spread out and stuff, but they are doing these FYC events nightly also in New York. I know that for a fact. And uh, that is going on and everywhere. And, and you've seen an increase. I know this from people I've talked to. You've seen an increase in their presence in, say, Chicago. There's yeah. just more stuff. Yeah. And also, one of the things, I mean, we, we made fun of it earlier. I made fun of it earlier about the environmental uh, fiasco that can come from everything that gets sent to you. But with so much stuff being sent digitally to people, people who are on location, people who are all over the country, even internationally, can still find a way to participate in, in and around the FYC events. So yeah. the thing is, for your consideration... I propose that for your consideration has to find a new plateau. And right now, Amazon and Netflix have set the standard. There are, but I think Deadline set the standard too with uh, doing contenders oh, Emmys. Oh, shameless. And I don't want to like leave that out of the conversation. We just happen to be first. Now everybody else is there. I mean, you know, these poor actors, they're being dragged from one thing to another this season. It's worse than the Oscar campaign My season. heart is breaking for them. <laughs> and to that, we actually yeah. are going to listen to some clips 
from our Contenders event of this year after this commercial break. This week's episode is brought to you by TV's number one comedy, The Big Bang Theory, from Warner Brothers Television for CBS. Entertainment Weekly gives Big Bang an A+. TV Guide Magazine calls it classy and hilarious, and USA Today says it is extremely funny and can still make you laugh out loud for your Emmy consideration in all categories. Now let's turn to a second to what we kind of see as our, our interview segment of, of the show. And today, as we always do, we're going to have some clips from our De- Deadline Emmys Contenders event, which was in early April. First of all, we're going to hear from the cast of Better Call Saul, specifically how Giancarlo Esposito, who of course was in Breaking Bad as Gus Fearing, has joined the world of Better Call Saul now. And we have a surprise appearance from someone, well, someone who knows his science. You're back. And we're like, I mean, the, 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 exactly. Come on. Thank the you. man blew up. Thank you. What is that like for you? And, and how do you see, do you see him fitting into this world that, 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 that Vince and Peter have created for well, Saul? You know, that was for my Jimmy. Big, big, big question for Peter and for Vince. You know, how would Guts fit into um, this world of Better Call Saul? And so, of course, when we started talking, I took a look at the show because that's the first thing to do. And I was still like, well, where, where does that, how does it fit in? How does it work? Well, it's great to be back. And it's great to, once great I got, to have you back. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. And I'm honored um, to be, you know, coming back to a cast of uh, a new cast um, and some older cast. Old. <laughs> uh, really stellar actors. Still scary. Yeah. <laughs> But primarily, I'm, I'm, I'm back thinking in a new way of a Gus you've never seen before. So the subtle difference for me is that uh, I want to be the Gus that is a little more younger, a little vul- more vulnerable, a little more finding his way to be the kingpin that you meet in Breaking Bad. And thanks to some really incredible uh, writing and incredible directing, um, I have the opportunity to create a whole new character, which hopefully will guide us right up to the Gus that you meet in Breaking Bad. Peter, I want to talk a little bit about how you guys do this. I mean, obviously, you brought... What is happening? Bathroom. Oh, Oh, my God. Ah! Ladies and gentlemen, it's Brian Cranston. Oh, Oh, man. Know where your wallet is right now. Hide your wallet. Thank you, buddy. You want to come and hang? No, no. I'll just go for the bathroom. You want the bathroom break? Yeah. Right, 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 right. Hold on. Aren't you not supposed to be here? How are you guys? I just couldn't help it. Yeah. We Thank love you. Brian. Now, of course, Brian's going to be back later talking with, with Pete Hammond about Sneaky Pete, which is on Amazon. So there's more Cranston. I guess you could kind of say that about television nowadays. There's always more Cranston. Peter, we you want know, to. You know what would be great? If when Cranston comes in here, if you don't applaud, and, and uh, seriously, don't applaud and just cough. <laughs> I think you should wait till his panel, and then you shout audience heckling questions yeah. <laughs> from out there. Exactly. <laughs> or you could come on stage and do the, hand, the handshakes and the shout-outs. Peter, before we talk more about, because I'm really, you know, obviously Mr. Walter White just joined us, but, you know, about the characters and the actors you, you bring into the world of Saul, the prequel, in a sense. We have a clip that we really want to show. And I kind of screwed up a little bit because we were, you show our clips at the beginning of our panels, but you know, I had gods and lawyers and it was all kind of crazy. And then two of my favorite actors of all time were there. And I just, you know, I got starstruck. What can I say? 
Along with Better Call Saul, there were dozens of television shows that joined us at our Deadline Emmy Contenders event on April 9th. One of them was, of course, NBC's big breakout hit of this season, This Is Us. Deadline co-editor-in-chief Nelly Andriva, who also is our TV boss, talked to the casting creatives of This Is Us about the casting process and the chemistry between its two leads. Let's start with you. Um, how you got cast in this, and tell me about the first read you did. Did you feel like a married couple? <laughs> mm. um, I mean, Mandy's beautiful and talented and kind and cool, and I know that first meeting, it was... It was, it was immediately comfortable, at least for me, and I know we've talked about this. Yeah. But then even beyond that, you know, I know we have always spoken about what Jack and Rebecca are going through and making sure that we're honoring this, this couple who's going through a lot, experiencing a lot. It kind of feels like a real marriage on TV mm -hmm. and in the partnership of what we do on set. So it's, it's very easy. Yeah, we approach our jobs the same way. Like, we're very communicative. We really like to break down the work and, like, be on the same page and go over, like, in hair and makeup all the time. We're just, like, obviously going through lines and whatnot. But it was pretty seamless, like, walking in for the um, chemistry read with Milo. I had gotten a heads up that Milo was the favorite, and there were a couple of girls and a couple of guys, and we were all sort of mixed and matched and, and reading with one another. But I had heard through the grapevine that Milo was, like, the guy to beat. And I, so I went in and read with him, and he was the only guy that I read with. And I was like, I hope this is a good sign. But it was immediately so comfortable. And, and it, was know, it was also undeniable. Like, I mean, you know, I, I'm in there, and, and like Mandy said, there are a couple guys and girls. And, and when Mandy walked in, and, and it was... It was just a beautiful performance. Oh, you're kind. I hate no. auditions. How it was many, like, so good, though. How many actresses did you read with? Um, there were a couple. <laughs> but no, but man, but also, I mean, even in conversations I've had with Dan Fogelman, our creator, you know, he he was like, I've just, there's always been, he's like, there's something about Mandy, and he goes, like, I mean, did you, I'm like, yeah, Dan, I'm like, I saw it too, man. I'm like, she 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 was the best. She earned it. She there was something magic about what she was doing in the audition, but also what we've been able to build on. Sure, but it was the it was there right away, right like, in the beginning with yeah. us, which is as actors, it's like it's our job a lot of times to like have to mine for that chemistry, but sometimes you really luck out. She just liked it. it's me. right there on the surface. <laughs> I got very lucky. Yeah, it was great. Um, let's bring in Zoe yes. first, and um, let's talk about that first conversation when you had um, about figuring out the different time periods and the different facial hair and, and, and hairstyle <laughs> uh, versions and aging up. Um, yeah, we, we, with Milo, we referred to it as beard gate. Yeah, beard or mustache. Um, yeah. We had a, a, a lot of uh, dialogue with Dan, the creator, about how we we're going to have this transition for Milo and have a different look for him in each, in each period. And um, at some point, Milo had this beautiful beard that he grew for the pilot that we had to shave off. And we were <laughs> shaved half his face. We, we basically, we basically got permission to shave a mustache, which was like, okay, cool. It's going to be bearded Jack in the early '80s, mustachio Jack in the the late '80s, and then '90s. We'll worry about when we get to it. Turns out to be a goatee. But Zoe was also build, building the beard that I was going to wear once I shaved down to just a mustache. And we were in the effects house because she was going to do a casting of my face so she can build the beard off of my actual chin. And we got one clip through and we heard an assistant at the effects house go, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Too late. 
And literally, it was just like one half through, and then it turned into like a, bu a bunch of nerves. And Dan Fogelman walking around the production office asking the female staff, like, hey, w you know, do you, do you guys like Milo with a mustache? Or not? Yeah, he kept creepy? asking yeah. me. I was like, he's totally sexy. He's totally sexy with just a mustache. It's great, Dan. And I kept great. reminding Dan, I said, Dan, I said, your writing is so good, and the stories are so good, and people are going to love these characters so much. Everyone's going to forget about a mustache or age makeup or anything like that in the first two seconds of seeing it. It may be jarring, but once they invest, they're going to get right past it. And, you know, that's the beautiful thing about Zoe and, and our entire hair and makeup team is, you know, everything is very seamless and beautiful and looks yeah. real. This week's episode is brought to you by TV's number one comedy, The Big Bang Theory, from Warner Brothers Television for CBS. Entertainment Weekly gives Big Bang an A+. TV Guide Magazine calls it classy and hilarious. And USA Today says it is extremely funny and can still make you laugh out loud. For your Emmy consideration in all categories. Now we're going to talk about another category from the Emmys that is a really heated up race this year. It's Best Actor in a Drama Series. Just to remind you, Dominic, uh, the nominees last year... Uh, well, why with, are you reminding me? Because you I don't know. remember these things. I, it's Mr. Robot, Mr. Robot, Mr. Robot. Uh, he won, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Okay, well, that's good. You remind me of that. Um, Bob Odenkirk, uh, Better Call Saul, Kyle Chandler, Bloodline, Kevin Spacey, House of Cards. Never won, by the way. Never won an Emmy. Uh, Rami Malek, uh, who was the winner last year, as you just pointed out, for uh, Mr. Robot, Liev Schreiber for Ray Donovan and Matthew Reese uh, for the Americans, finally broke through, you know, after all finally. those times of finally. not the, getting nominated. Got a nomination, denied the win that he should have had. And, yeah. that, and that's amazing that Kevin Spacey has never, ever had an Emmy win. For anything, you know, I, I much less say, House of Cards, I nothing. Say, I, I remember, yeah. and I'm giving away how old I am, I remember right. seeing him when he showed up on Wise Guy. Remember that show? Yes, absolutely. That art? And that great. to me was like, that was when Kevin Spacey became a thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. And a couple of years later, I saw him in movies. I was like, oh, it's the Wise Guy guy. Yeah. He's great. No, that was actually a big breakthrough for him in terms of that. He'd been doing a lot of stage and things. but um, Where, of course, he's yeah. awesome. Actually. You know, and you know, it's interesting. And he's been nominated every single year for House of Cards and never won. He's... He's going down that path that some actors take where they just never win, but they get nominated every year. I remember Is in Kevin years Spacey past, becoming the Susan Lucci of the Emmys? Well, possibly. You know, I mean, she's the most famous example, but in the primetime Emmys, there are people that just never could pull off a win. I remember Elizabeth Montgomery in the 60s was nominated every single year for Bewitch, and somebody would come along and win. She went to her grave, never winning that Emmy. It's sad. The most famous one in primetime is Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury nominated for every year for Murder, She Wrote, never won an Emmy. Do they ever or have they ever given the honorary Emmy the way they do with the Oscars? Yes. Or even like the Governor's Award They do, but it's different. It, and it's not generally going to actors. You know, it, it goes for, it's even gone to shows. American Idol got the honorary thing. It's oh, the Governor's right, Award. Right, right. Okay, so yeah. I propose we should start a campaign to change that. Because yeah. when you start talking about Angela Lansbury Right. Never winning, never an, winning Emmy. an Emmy. Like, that's just wrong. There's yeah, a hairstylist in Van Nuys that's got six of these things on a on a you know on a on her fireplace. It's ridiculous that Angela Lansbury could. And you know why? Well, that I think is? the hairstylist deserves it. Yeah. But I also think Angela yeah. Lansbury deserves it. But you know why? We it need is. to make a list. We're going to do this for a future podcast. And if you want to write into us, we'd love to hear from you. We want to make a list of people who damn well should have received an Emmy, well, even it's if crazy. it's a lifetime achievement. Yeah, Emmy. Jackie Gleason never got an Emmy. Well, it's too late. Posthumous now. lifetime. I Emmy. know. You know, but the thing is, 
these things are voted on and you and they uh, submit a certain episode and a lot of people have that one great episode that plays really well you know whereas somebody like Angela Lansbury in a murder she wrote or those kind of things week in and week out very kind of similar kind of performance don't play when it comes time to be voting for an Emmy they can so be you think, you think it, it it's flash it, you think it's literally the rabbit over the tortoise I do yeah. I and I I think that that's Part of the good thing about the Emmy process is they have to actually watch these things and they do see these shows, but it gives an advantage to somebody who has that one big, they call it, you know, in the business, they call it their Emmy show. They know when they're doing the show, when they get the script, when they get the episode, this, oh, this is your Emmy show. I remember Matt Weiner telling me, who did uh, Mad Men, telling me, because uh, John Cam kept losing year after year, and he says, I finally did it. I've got his Emmy show. And it was one with he and Elizabeth Moss. They were the only two characters yeah. in, the, in the hour. That was going to be a sure thing. Somebody came along and still beat him, but that was his Emmy show, and that's how it goes. Well, and John that, Hamm and, finally did win and, this and that's Best the Actor. Thing, that's thing, the though. thing I want to talk about a little bit about who I think might be some of the contenders this yeah. year. Now I know this is a little a little out there one, but American Gods has, has debuted recently on Stars, and I mean yeah. I, I love it. I gave it a great review. I said it was simply divine, which of course is a cliche play on words. And I'm willing to admit it. Yeah. But Ian McShane, who was only nominated for one Emmy for Deadwood, I actually think McShane really should be someone who is a contender this year because his role as Mr. Wednesday on American. God says he's simply amazing, and it yeah. and it's it's it shows an actor who, as you talk about some actors who they don't have their Emmy show, right. they're also actors who I think the breadth of their work finds that role where all of it culminates. Is this all, a supporting role or a no, lead? No, this role? lead, definitely. Okay. It, it, it's him and yeah. Ricky Whittle. Right, that really both of them are being pushed for a lead, and they okay. both deserve it. Yeah, that's an awkward situation, which I never yeah, want to that, put anyone that's in. That's the problem, yeah. you know. If they put him in support or something, if it's so ensemble, you know, they have a better shot of not canceling each other out because this is a very look. Just looking at the list of last year's nominees. I would say repeaters might be Bob Odenkirk, Rami Malek, Kevin Spacey, Liev Schreiber breakthrough, and Matthew. You know, they could all come back again this I, year. I, I would have to say, I, I have to feel that, that Spacey, why I thought last season of House of Cards was good, yeah. I feel like, and, and we've talked about this before, right. House of Cards has reached some sort of point where its excellence has not diminished. Yeah. It just simply has been there. And people feel like the reality of House of Trump it just it's it, at this point it feels almost like you can't be a part of that. Is that why Kevin Spacey's been out there campaigning? Obviously, did that Netflix thing we talked about earlier yeah. in the show here. And well, I will uh, say yeah. this about Kevin Spacey: that man knows how to hustle. I remember yeah. once going to a thing at the old TV Academy where he came out, and you know people had been on the campaign trail for a while that season, yeah. and he came out wearing a suit and he was wearing these sneakers that were American flag sneakers, yeah. and it literally captivated the audience. It was like he knew how to make the entrance and the touch. And guess what? He's hosting the Tonys right when Emmy voting for nominations so is going that, on. So you think there's a good chance this year for him? I do. Okay. I, I, I'd say, look, uh, Academy voters tend to do the same thing over and over again until they don't, you know, until someone falls out. And so if he falls out, then that's that's all she wrote for him. But uh, I think he'll I think he'll get nominated. I don't think he'll win. Well, you I know, I mean, at the nominated. end of at the end of the last season of House of Cards, his great line, "We are the terror." Maybe he is the contender. Well, now but what about Justin Theroux? Justin Theroux, because Justin, it's a great season, absolutely, and it's the, the last season, and it's, it's the, the last final chance. season of the Leftovers, and the Leftovers is 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 
genius television in so, my, in my so opinion. So he gets nominated. And Justin is on camera almost all the time. So I think shirt it's on hard. or shirt off. It's the similar situation with the Americans finally recognizing yes, somebody yes. here. In fact, that might be the highest rated Emmys ever if you could get Matthew Reese and Justin Thoreau to take their shirt off and <laughs> wrestle for the Emmy. Okay, well, here's another actor that gets nominated when he does a, a special television, and that would be Anthony Hopkins. Well, I mean, and, and let's not talk about special television. It's Westworld. I mean, he he yeah. is he is the heart of this, if not the brains of it on the screen. Yeah. I mean, it's and, and the other thing too is you know yeah. he's Anthony Hopkins. That's what I mean. He's Hannibal Lecter. So he could he's, just he's like great, send. He can just send for the thing. He doesn't even have to show up. I, I think he has to show up. He has yeah. to have us make a smile and say about how delicious this is, <laughs> and the whole thing is his to be handed to. But there, look, Sterling K. Brown, who was amazing in uh, he won it, last it, year. Yeah, if he now he's on This Is Us, which is a show like Empire did a couple years ago. Yeah. This Is Us showed people that network television actually still is a player. The thing is. In the Emmys, not so much. Right? It's ensemble too. It's I don't know. Should it go? I mean, where's why is not Milo? Like, yeah. I mean, you, know, you kind of feel is awkward Milo about this. in supporting and Sterling's in lead? Well, here? here's the thing: is and, that how they're going to do and this? Here's the thing: is they're both exceptionally talented actors. Right. Sterling is fantastic in the range that he shows in This Is Us. The yeah. issue is: is This Is Us going to be enough for someone who's already had his Emmy moment and do people maybe feel like there's a lot out there there's yeah. a lot out there and let's talk about somebody who's out there who I think is really out there actually and doing doing really interesting work in FX's Legion which is Dan Stevens yeah, now yeah. here's where Dan has the advantage of course right. which is he comes with the pedigree and I mean that in all sense of Downton Abbey yeah and speaking of Downton Abbey is The Crown a uh, series or a limited series here? Oh, The Crown's a series. So, a series. so we definitely have John Lithgow to contend with here. But it, I don't think he's lead. I think he's supporting his Churchill. Okay, then we don't have John Lithgow to I mean, contend with I mean, with and here. The, the question is, is, is Matt Smith lead or supporting? This is, I, I'm getting so confused talking about got, all of look, this. Look, you're the master of this stuff. You're the master. I mean, you're, you're, you're the, the you, Well, you're, you know, usually it's the geologist where they, of yeah, this, and I still can't figure something out. It's where out. they submit it. Obviously, the lead uh, in the show, uh, of of the crown is the queen, but uh, you know, I guess he can be supporting. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, I also too. I mean, I think with some of these is you have to determine, and and this is where I think the real poker play of right. the Emmys gets involved, which is mm -hmm. where is the best place to put your card? Yeah, you know. Well, that's well, how it. because you know not just the card for finding about for your win, but you know in terms of, and we all know this ultimately. You know, from Netflix to Amazon to the networks to HBO and and everyone everyone else, they want to be able to, at the end of the night say we won more than everybody else. Right. So yeah. how can you stack the deck? Yeah, it's right? very difficult. Yeah, and so that's where these plays come into play. I think so. Ultimately, best actor in a drama series is a big win for anyone. Ultimately, for the Emmys 2017, it's going to be a big win. I think it's going to be someone who it hasn't been and who we don't expect. Really? Yeah. Who would that be? <laughs> that's the thing I'm not willing to say. That's the question we don't know. I we mean, don't know. you know, okay, honestly, right. maybe Aaron Paul with the pass. Uh, well, he didn't get nominated last year uh, when they were in their first season. That got no nominations. I expected to follow that path. Again, uh, maybe not uh, be recognized by the Academy. Now, they're they're out there campaigning it, and, and, and maybe this year it will turn it around, and they will well, get it. that is an oversight on the Academy's part if they yeah. overlook the path again. I love the path. And with that, we are going to have to start heading down the road right. of ending this podcast. There we go. So, 
Thanks for listening to the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. You can find me on Twitter at Deadline Dominic. And you can find me on Twitter at Deadline P. And of course, you can find all of our Emmy breaking news coverage and all the breaking news coverage you need in this town at Deadline.com. Today's show is produced and edited by David Janot. Thank you for joining us. See you later. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.